just a couple of uh, cheesy jokes. Can I give you some cheesy jokes as we start out just to ease my, get my mind off the UT stuff? Um, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about sheep today and shepherds. So a few jokes leading into that. You know what, what, you, know what you call a sheep that's covered in chocolate? A, can, a, a, a candy bar, right? Uh, what do you call an animal that, where you cross a sheep and a porcupine? Man, I don't know, but it's an animal that can knit its own sweaters, right? And so, uh, man, we're going to be talking about sheep and shepherd today, and thank you for letting me tell cheesy jokes, and so I always have to tell a few, and so I thought, man, I would continue that trend today. We're going to be talking about sheep and shepherds, uh, and sheep are mentioned, I don't know if you know this, but sheep are mentioned uh, more than any other animal in the Bible. Over 400 times sheep are mentioned in the Bible, more than any other animal by far. Shepherds are a huge part of uh, the biblical narrative. Uh, some of the greatest leaders in the Bible were shepherds. You got uh, Moses was a shepherd. You got Abraham was a shepherd. You got David was a shepherd who became the shepherd king. So uh, shepherd, sheep, huge part. They were a huge part of biblical life. And so God uses them uh, as an illustration of his relationship with us. It's a sheep and shepherding relationship. Now, because that sheep and shepherd were such a huge part of biblical days and biblical life in that time, uh, they, uh, in that day, the people would have totally got what Jesus was saying when he talks about a shepherd, when he talks about sheep. Man, they would have known uh, everything he was saying, got it immediately. But in our world, it's a little different. The closest many of you or most of you have ever gotten to a sheep is the wool sweater in your closet, right? And so let me give you some things about sheep so you can begin to grasp the context of what Jesus is saying here. One, sheep, man, sheep are just completely, they're really dumb animals. I don't know if you know that, but they're just really dumb animals. They're not that smart. They, they go in herds or flocks or mobs. And uh, if one sheep is leading the pack and he goes over a cliff, you know what the rest of them is going to do? They'll go over the cliff. They're just really not that smart. They're completely helpless. Uh, they can't protect themselves. They're afraid of their own shadows. Uh, they have huge anxiety issues. Uh, they are uh, completely, I mean, if they wander, uh, they're, they're, they're clueless. Uh, they're prone to wandering and getting lost. Sheep are completely dependent upon the shepherd. Okay? No way they can survive on their own. Now, isn't it funny that this is the animal that God chose to use us as, as, as an illustration of us? He didn't use a lion. He didn't use, he used sheep. So therefore, ladies, listen, when your husband begins to think he's all that, you can just remind him, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty good for a sheep. Okay? And so, so today, we're going to look at John 10. John 10, we're, we're going to continue this series called Stuck, and uh, we're helping you understand how you can, how God can break you free from what's got you stuck, all right? And we're going to look at John 10, uh, a great passage. Uh, it is, uh, in John 10, it contains a very important passage for us at LifePoint because it contains the passage from which we get our name. LifePoint is from John 10, 10. I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly, okay? And so it's a huge uh, passage for us, and I'm excited because today uh, we're going to get to look at the context by which Jesus spoke that verse into, all right? And so, so let's look at John 10. If you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 10. And we're going to read uh, the first 11 verses, and then we're going to begin to break it down and talk about it, all right? It's really good. You're going to notice Jesus is going to repeat himself. 
He's really trying to drive home. You're going to hear he says truly, truly a couple of times, which is listen, listen, okay? And he repeats himself because he wants us to get this, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's very parabolic in nature. It's, it, 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 you'll hear him say he spoke this way and they couldn't understand it. And it's very parabolic means that he's using this earthly story to give us some really heavenly wisdom and, and, and grasp some good truths here. And so let's read it together. Uh, John 10, verse 1 and following. Truly, truly, listen, listen. Listen, listen. Very important what I'm saying to you here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, listen, listen. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Here we go. This is our theme verse. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now let's... let's begin to break down what all this means and how it can really speak to us and give us some amazing truths about how we can be set free from wandering. Because, you know, people just typically have a nature, we're born with this nature that just wanders through life. You know what I mean. I mean, what does life really mean? What is my life all about? What is my purpose for being here? Uh, why can't I truly be happy? What is going on? We, all, we seem to find some happiness for a while because we think it's in that thing, or we think it's in a husband, or we think it's in a wife, or we think it's in a house, or we think it's in a job, or we think it's in money, or we think it's in having kids, or we think it's in whatever. And then we get it and, it, and, and, and we have a euphoric feeling for a while. It's cool, it's good, but then it fades and so we wander. And that's what people do when, and, and we today are going to see a great story. I love this because it has gold about how to be set free from wandering, how God can set you free. We've already saw how God can set you free uh, from guilt and shame, how God can set you free to see reality. Today, we're going to look, and this story contains wonderful truths about how God can set you free from wandering. Now, in that day, to get the the, the analogy he's using here, a sheep and shepherd. In that day, each village <coughs> typically had a common pen. People weren't like the farmers in our day. You know, my grandfather, I grew up on a farm. My grandfather had his farm. He had his acreage. We had cows. We had pigs. We had chickens. We had, you know, horses. We had all these things, and it was his acreage. Then there was a farm down the street. Then there was a farm on down the street. Uh, in that day, people lived in villages, and what they had was they had common pen. Uh, sheep and shepherding was a huge part of the village life, and when they would bring their sheep in at night, because shepherding was important because you had to take your sheep to green 
green pastures. And that had to continually move because they would just eat, sheep will just eat the grass until it's completely dead. And, 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 and so you have to continually move those sheep around, right? And so that's what shepherding was about. And so the shepherd would take his sheep out and when they brought them back into the village at night, they would have common pens. And a common pen would be where all the shepherds would take their sheep and they would just put their sheep in a common pen. And you'd say, well, don't a lot of sheep look alike? I mean, how did they know uh, whose sheep was whose? Because in the morning, what would happen when the shepherd would come back to the pen to get his sheep to take them out to shepherd, the shepherds would just call their sheep by name. The shepherds spent a lot of time with sheep, and the sheep would, they would name their sheep, and man, they would know each other. Sort of like if you have a good dog, your dog knows your voice, right? I mean, your dog responds to your voice. He might not respond to my voice, but he will typically respond to your voice. And the shepherd would go, and he would call the sheep by name, and the sheep would come, and each shepherd would call their sheep. Their sheep would come specifically to them and not to another shepherd, and then that shepherd would lead their sheep out to green pastures. Now, if they were out further away from town, uh, they typically would not come in maybe. They would have to be out and so therefore they would be out away and they would stay out all night with their sheep and uh, we see this in Luke 2 and it's the narrative of Jesus' birth and if we know the narrative then uh, the birth story there were sheep out watching their flock by night right? They were out further away and what they would do, they didn't have a common pen to put them in so what they would do is they would either go into a cave and it, when we go to Israel we always go into some caves and in these caves it was overlooking it's in Bethlehem we go into a cave overlooking shepherd's field in Bethlehem and these caves have soot that's been there for a couple of thousand years or more and this soot on the ceiling is where shepherds would go in and they would light fires. They would keep their sheep in there. They would light a fire and to, for warmth for them and the sheep, all that kind of stuff. If they didn't have a cave, they would find a rock wall and, or maybe even uh, sort of like an inlet and a rock wall that come around and they would build with rock or wood. They would build a, a makeshift corral and they would put their sheep in this makeshift pen and they would have one door. They would, uh, they would herd their sheep into this pen through one door, either a cave or through the corral that they made and there was one door only one way in only one way out and then the shepherd himself would lie down at the door and that's where he would sleep so that if you were outside a predator and you wanted sheep for dinner the only way you could get in to get the sheep was to come through the shepherd if you were inside because sheep are known to wander uh, they're known they're prone to wandering and they're prone to you know just going out and, and they would just uh, ease out on their own you couldn't get out without going through the shepherd Okay, so now Jesus tells this, and it's an analogous story that he's using, really. And in the analogy, uh, here's what I think we can see. The pen is an analogy of life. And we're sort of corralled in life. All of us, we're sort of born into life. And we, uh, you know, we have the grass that's in front of us. And man, it, it can get burnt down. It can get, it can get trampled down. It gets all, it sort of stinks because there's all these sheep in here. And then we know that there's something out there. Man, we can look out there and we can see there's something out there, but we sort of can't get out there. How do I get out there? I'm stuck in this pen right, in this pen of life, but I know there's something else, but how do I get it? Well, there's a door. The only way I can get out is I have to go, and here's the story. The, the, in the analogy, the pen is life, and the green pasture is God's kingdom. You know, heaven, heaven is a part of God's kingdom, you know, but God's kingdom is now. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, not yet, 
and already, right? God's kingdom is his rule and reign on this planet, and it's the life that's abundant now, but it's also heaven. And so how do I get to God's kingdom, the green pasture that nourishes my soul, where life doesn't stink because I'm always in the pen with all these folks, and, I, and, and I'm seeing something out there, and I'm not satisfied. It's the same view all the time, and I want to be out there. How do I get there? There's only one way. You see, the world will tell you there's many ways. The world will tell you, man, you find your own way, and your way might not be my way. The Bible says there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door. As the good shepherd, he lays his life in front of the door. And, and, and as that shepherd in the laid, literally laid his life down for his sheep, Jesus laid his life down for his sheep on the cross. And he said in John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to leave the pen of life because you know there's something better. The only way to green pastures that nurse your soul is one way through Jesus. There are not many doors. There are not many gates. There are not many paths up the mountain. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. Okay? And so what you need to know here is here's the first thing that you need to know. The, the, to be set free, or, you know, if you want to be set free from wandering, because wandering's got you stuck, is to know the shepherd because the shepherd knows his sheep. That, that's the first thing we see. The shepherd knows his sheep. The shepherd would call by name his sheep and his sheep would respond. Now here's what I think is happening here. This story is primarily about God calling people to salvation. This story is primarily about how if you are a believer, as I am, there was a moment, there was a time when I heard God's call to salvation. There was a moment when the Holy Spirit brought conviction upon my life. There was a moment when the Holy Spirit brought conviction upon my life. I heard the call of God and I responded. If you're a Christian, the same thing happened to you. You couldn't do that on your own. The Holy Spirit brought conviction, and you heard God. That's primarily what God is talking about. And so here is the first thing. If you do not know Jesus, I guarantee you you're wandering. And some of you say, well, I'm not wandering right now. Life's pretty good. Life can be good for moments and for seasons. You've had it good before. But sometime when you lay down at night at some place, you go, I don't, I, I, you see, there's something out there, and I don't know how to get out there. And people have told me about all these doors, and I've taken all these doors, but man, I'm still right back here, and I want to be out there. And how do, Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Has, have you heard the voice of Jesus and responded? Maybe he's calling some of you today. Maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction, and you hear, will you respond? I promise, if you don't know Jesus. You see, this is what we see here. The very first truth that we can see in this passage is that the, she, the shepherd knows his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. They respond to his voice. Think about how personal God is. I mean, he is the God who created the world, yet he knows your name. Billions of people in the world, he knows your name. That's how personal God, he's not distant. He's calling some of you today, do you hear his voice? Will you respond? I guarantee you, if you don't know the shepherd, you're wandering. The way to be set free from wandering is to know the shepherd, surrender, come to his call. The second thing that we can see here is the sheep follow the shepherd. The sheep follow the shepherd. The shepherd went to the pen and he called the sheep. The sheep came. Listen, uh, the sheep follow the shepherd. God speaks. The Holy Spirit convicts right? The Holy Spirit must convict you. The Holy Spirit convicts and God speaks. But God doesn't just speak 
to salvation. He speaks for sanctification. Sanctification is a word that we use simply to mean to become like Christ. So in other words, here's the thing. God doesn't just call somebody to salvation just to get you out of hell so that you can nourish your soul in the green life of green pasture of heaven. That's great. Okay. But it's about living life now. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about now. That's the now and not yet feature of God's kingdom, right? There's a not yet, which means heaven. There's a now, which means God's kingdom. And, you know, he came so that you can live life now that's abundant. You can have life now that's nourished in green pastures. How do you get there? Well, you have to continually listen to the shepherd and follow him, right? It's not just about getting saved. It's about becoming like him, following him. See, God still speaks to his people. Now, God doesn't necessarily speak to you like I'm speaking to you today, right? I've never heard God's audible voice. God's never said, hey, Pat, you know, I, I, he's never done that. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe he's done that to you. He's never done it to me. I mean, if you come to me and say, God audibly spoke to me, I might say, have you been to Colorado lately? You know, I mean, I don't know, but God might not speak to you audibly, okay? But here's what he does. He still speaks. He speaks continually. He speaks through one way is the primary way is through his word, right? It's through his word. I mean, we, we at LifePoint believe this is God's word, contains God's words. Yeah, Moses penned the first five books of the Bible. Matthew penned Matthew, Mark penned Mark, Luke penned Luke, Luke penned Acts, John penned John. You know, I mean, uh, these, these people penned, but God did it in such a way that it was inspiration from his Holy Spirit that he is the author. This is his word, contains his words. God did speak audibly to Moses. Remember the burning bush. Well, today we have his word. He spoke through the prophets. Today he has given us his word. This is God's word. He speaks through his word. Sometimes he speaks through people. Sometimes he speaks through circumstances. God continually speaks. The issue is not does God still speak to his people. The issue is sometimes we're not listening or sometimes we do listen and sometimes we don't like what he's saying so we just ignore what he says, Right? I mean, God, there's nothing in your life that God does not clearly speak to. Did you know that? There's nothing that you can go through that God does not either clearly speak, directly speak to, or principally speak to, okay? Let me, let me give you some examples of how God speaks, but we don't listen and we wonder. First, I mean, let me take some things that really cause stress in people's lives. Money. Did you know that God has clearly spoken in his Bible about money? Now, when I say, you know, he speaks to everything in your life, I mean, should I buy this car or that car? Obviously, you're not going to find that in the Bible. There's principles, though, isn't there? Principles about how it's going to entrap you or how it's going to, I mean, for instance, here's what God says about money, principally. Principally, God says to tithe. That's a command of God, tithe, first 10% of your money. That's, that's a principle. God, there's a principle. If you read the Proverbs, you read all through the Scripture, there's a principle about saving, planning ahead, Right? I mean, it talks about saving and, and, and planning ahead. That's a biblical principle of money. Did you know that the Bible also talks about you enjoying your money, right? I mean, it's, not, it's like God gives me money. He wants me to tithe it, to recognize he gave it to me. He wants me to, he wants me to save it so I can be wise with it. He wants me to take my family on vacation, enjoy it, and, and all those things. I mean, those are all principles. Here's the issue, though. We love the enjoy part, but the other two, not so much, because most Christians don't even listen to God on the tithe because, guess what, if that's 10% of my money, I'll, I'll have less to enjoy 
right? Most, I was reading a thing the other day because, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, every day you get a little older every day, you know? And so I was reading a thing the other day about retirement. I don't know why I'm reading about retirement. I'm still so young, but I'm reading about it, right? And so uh, I was reading, and I, I, I read somewhere that like 50, most 50 year olds have like less than $10,000 saved for retirement. I'm like, oh my goodness. I felt, I felt bad about myself. And Nathaniel said, see, you ought to feel good about yourself. Now you got more than $10,000 saved. I'm like, no, I don't. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm looking for retirement, but here's the deal. Most people don't save money. Why? Most Christians don't tithe. I, less for me to enjoy. Uh, most, mo, most people don't save. Why don't they save? It's God's principle. Well, because I want that thing. Why you need that thing? I don't know if I need it or not, but everybody else has got that thing. If I don't have that thing, I can't be happy. What is that thing? I don't know what's that thing, right? And so we don't tithe and we don't save, but what we do is we enjoy, and so we're ignoring God's principles of money. And you know what we do? We wander. It creates so much stress in our life. It creates so much financial stress in, in our life. God speaks clearly to money, but we ignore what God says. It's clear. He's spoken. We ignore it. We don't listen to it. Maybe you don't know it, what he said about it, because you don't read it. But either way, he's spoken. We don't listen, and we wonder. He's spoken clearly about marriage. Here's what he says to husbands. Husbands, one thing, he speaks many places. One thing, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You think about that. What does that mean? Well, how did Christ love the church? He, he loved the church. We are a church today because he died on the cross. That's the reason we're a church today. Because the church is his people gathered together. We are his people because we are redeemed. We are redeemed by his blood on the cross. He loved the church so much he died for the church. So here's what we hear in marriage. And it's really romantic. It's really, really, really sounds good to our, our ears. It's like marriage is 50-50. Listen, if you're single, marriage is never in your lifetime 50-50. I promise you. That sounds good. It's a lie. Okay? Ask my wife, Amy, if marriage is ever 50-50. I'll promise you. She'll say no because for her it's most time 80 and I'm giving 20. Right? And sometimes I don't want to give 20. I mean, my point is, it's not 50-50, right? I mean, there's days when the husband's given a whole lot more than the wife and days when the wife's given a whole lot. That's just, that's, that's life, right? So here's the thing. Jesus gave 100. We didn't give anything. He died for us and we were spitting in his face, folks. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. In that context, what does that mean? That don't mean you love her and, 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 and serve her if she loves and serves you and meets your needs. And it means you love her and serve her as Christ loved the church. He gave his all. He gave his all. Wives, submit to, honor, respect your husband. But he's, ah, you don't know my husband. He, you don't know my husband. He, he, man, he doesn't treat me like I deserve, and so I'm going to be the ice queen. That's what my friends at work tell me I should do. So we wonder, God's spoken, but we don't like it, or we don't know it, or either way we don't listen to it, and we wonder. Singles, God said if you're a single and you're a Christian, then you should only marry a Christian. Only marry a Christian. There is no uh, gray area in there. There's no, well, he's a really good person. His grandmama was a member of a church. His daddy's a missionary. You know, I, I, but, but, and, 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 and there's no great marry a Christian. And so guess what? If you should only marry a Christian, you should only date a Christian. Okay? Well, I, I, I can tell them about Jesus. 
Yeah, you can missionary date, right? I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to, we, God has been very clear for a very clear purpose. I've seen many people ignore this rule, and it always bites you, okay? You get devoured because, why? Wow, it's a God's principle. God speaks. We don't listen, and what do we do? We wander. Man, I could go on and on and on and on. We could be here two hours from now, and I could be giving you examples, but hopefully you get the point. God speaks, and we, we don't listen. We wander, Okay, we wander and we're trying to figure out why is life just not making it? Why, why do I, why, why do I, I, I mean, why, what's my life? I can't figure, God clearly speaks. So are we listening? Because if we're not listening, I promise you're going to wonder, right? Now let me, I don't want to move on without saying, how, uh, how do we differentiate between God's voice, the good shepherd, the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of the, she- the one who comes to steal, kill and destroy? Because I have heard people blame, God, blame a lot of things on God. Well, God told me, and I, I'm thinking, God, ain't, no, God didn't tell you that, okay? So how do we differentiate? Well, one, does it line up with God's word? I promise you, if you feel like God told you something and it in any way contradicts God's word, it is not from God, okay? It's not from God if it's not in this word, all right? Uh, the other th- way you need, if you feel like, man, God's speaking something to me, and I don't see where it's contrary to God's word, then you, that's where you need a sh- uh, an under-shepherd, like a pastor, a good godly friends uh, that, uh, that, that you trust, that you can ask about, uh, th- does this line up? And they can say, man, I, I, you know, and, and help you. So we need to make sure we line up, because here's, here's the thing. If God, God's spoken, and if we're not listening, if we're not, we're not following. And when we don't follow, we're, we're, we're in a world of danger. Listening is for our protection. God speaks to redeem us and to protect us. You know what the job of the shepherd was? The job of the shepherd was to, to, to lead the sheep to nourishment, but it was to protect the sheep. Do you remember the shepherd king, boy named David? Remember when he took on this big giant named Goliath and saw nobody else would? And David said, man, I'll do it. I mean, Saul's like, are you kidding me? You're just a little boy. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, I'm a shepherd, I know, and I know you think I'm just a little boy. But when a lion would come after my daddy's sheep, or when a bear would come after my daddy's sheep, I'm taking on the lion and a bear. I'm protecting my daddy's sheep. Let me tell you something. I I read that, and I'm like, whoa, that's a bad dude. He's a teenager, and I'm just going to tell you what. If I'm a shepherding my my daddy's sheep, and a lion or bear comes, they can have the sheep. It's lamb chop dinner, right? I ain't getting in the way of no lion or bear. But that's what David did because he protected the sheep. That's what shepherds do. But let me tell you what happens. Remember I said shepherds, sometimes sheep, they wander, right? And if one sheep wanders outside of the flock and outside of the shepherd, he's in danger, isn't he? That one sheep. That's why Jesus told this another story about a shepherd who left 99 and went after the one. Wow, because that one's in danger. Because outside, if we're not following, if we're not listening, we're not following too closely, right? Because when we follow Jesus, when I'm following someone and I'm on the road and if, I, if I'm, I'm following you somewhere, and man, I've got to stay close enough to you. If you turn right, I've got to turn right. If not, I'm wandering and then I'm lost and then I'm in trouble, right? So I'm following closely. And listen, to listen to Jesus is to follow. And if you're not listening, you're really not following. And when you're not following, you're going to be away from the shepherd and you're going to be like devoured, Okay? Uh, that, that's what's going on here. That's why Jesus said, Jesus said, the one who enters by the door, that's the true shepherd, but the one who comes in another way, man, there's the thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers, isn't that the same thing? 
A thief and a robber? Well, not really, because you see, in this context, a thief was someone who would come in your house, maybe sneak in, maybe stealth mode, you're asleep, you don't know it, or, man, you're gone, and they sneak in. In other words, they're sneaky, and they're, they're stealing stuff from you, and you don't know it until it's gone. Or a robber, man, that's more aggressive. A robber would just meet you on the road and just pummel you, mug you, take your stuff, right? Or carjack you or come into your house and hold you up. And so you got a sneaky and an aggressive. And so Jesus said, the one who comes in, whether it's sometimes sneaky, sometimes aggressive, but they're taking what you got. They're taking your life away, right? And so here's the thing. Uh, that, that, that was a thief right there. And here's the thing. <laughs> he, 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 here's the thing, right? Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Pharisees. This is in the context of Jesus leaving the Feast of Booths. Remember, uh, the scripture is not written in verses and chapters. We put those in uh, to give addresses. And so uh, th th there's not a moment here where it says, and, and then sometime later, this is in the context. And so what's happened is Jesus has left the Feast of, Feast of Booths. It's been over. And he's had two rounds with the Pharisees, one over the woman that they caught in adultery. They, tra they tried to trap Jesus by humiliating a lady, bringing her before Jesus, throwing her before him in a crowd of people. We caught her an act of adultery. What do you do? What do you say we should do? They wanted Jesus to either say, I think you should let her go, and then he would be breaking the law of Moses and so they wouldn't respect him anymore or I think you should stone her and then he would be breaking the realm of law because they said you can't execute people for religious grant purposes and so therefore either way they had him right wrong Jesus and used that to show us how to be set free from guilt and shame by having his grace amazing then uh, man he heals a blind man on the Sabbath and Jesus it knows all this stuff, so he really is picking a fight, and it's crazy. It's good, right? But it's crazy good. He, he, he heals a blind man on the Sabbath, which really gets in the crawl because healing a blind man on the Sabbath, that broke the rule. And so they go around, and he shows us how to be set free to see reality. And here's the whole deal. These Pharisees were religious leaders. They were the, the shepherds of God's people. They should have been shepherds who loved, cared, guided, protected God's people. But they didn't love, care, and guide and protect God's people. They literally used people for their good. They humiliated people. They cared more about uh, their rules and their, themselves than they did God's people. Th th they were bad shepherds. This is a contrast between Jesus the good shepherd and bad shepherds. Uh, uh, Pharisees who were teaching bad theology, teaching bad philosophy. So let me tell you what's going on. The world is full of bad philosophy, bad theology. I mean, it, it, it's toxic and it will rot your soul. And, 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 and right now there's so much confusion in our world, you name it. Man, we're confused about the truth and what the truth is. And we're in a day and age about what, what I mean, man, it's not like the age old, uh, you know, uh, uh, story of Jesus, right, on trial. And what is truth? I mean, man, we, we're confused about the truth and what's the truth. And we're confused about gender and we're confused about, I mean, the, there's so many philosophies in the world and whatever your truth is is okay. And man, it's toxic. And here's what happened. David, Travis read a moment ago the 23rd Psalm, right? And in the 23rd Psalm, part of what David said in verse 2 of the 23rd Psalm was David said, you lead me beside still waters. What does that mean? Well, as I said, sheep are just like really dumb animals. And sheep will drink anything. Did you know it? I mean, man, they will drink anything. It doesn't matter if it's stagnant. 
If it's poisonous, if it will make them sick, if it will kill them, they'll drink it. They know no better. And they just drink because they think, man, I'm thirsty, I'm going to drink, and they drink, and they can get sick or die. Shepherds lead sheep to pure waters, waters that nourish their soul and quench their thirst. Well, here's what we've got, man. We've got a world that's full of whales that are broken, they're stagnant, they're toxic. And man, people are drinking from these whales and it's like drinking salt water because you see, I don't know if you've heard stories about people who drink salt water because they're stranded out on the ocean and they know I can't drink salt water, but before long you get so thirsty and if it doesn't rain, you can't catch water, you get so thirsty and all of a sudden you're like, man, I got to drink water and here's water, why can't I drink it? And you drink it and in the moment it's like, yes, I needed that and it's killing you because it makes you more thirsty and it depletes you, it dehydrates you and you die. In the moment, you think, yes, and then you die. And there's so many whales that people, are, they're broken cisterns, right? They're broken whales and people are drinking from them because why? They're not following the shepherd. The shepherd says, it's not a good whale. But we don't listen because, man, I, 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 I want to do what my friends, my friends are drinking out of this well. I, I want this. And so the shepherd says, don't drink out of this well. That's what his word's full of. Don't drink out of this well. But we drink out of these wells and we're getting sick and we're dying. And listen, are we listening? If you're not listening, I promise you're wandering and you're, and you're wandering around where there's wells that's going to destroy your soul and that's going to be good, taste good in the moment and then they're going to rot your soul. And our kids are hearing this everywhere. And parents, listen, God, Jesus is the good shepherd. And here's what he's done. He's appointed under-shepherds, of which I'm an under-shepherd as a pastor. I'm not the shepherd. I'm an under-shepherd. I'm a shepherd. I'm one of your shepherds. But then also, parents, you have a shepherding role. You've got a flock, right? And you're charged with caring for your flock. And parents, that's why it's so important for you to be committed to church. It's so important for you to be committed to the gathering. It's so important for you to be committed to a group of people so that you can learn and be protected because you're listening and you're following to steal waters that are pure and you can lead your kids there. That's why we have these worship, uh, these uh, my house worship sessions. That's why we want you to, to worship with your kids. Parents, it's so important for you to shepherd because the, the, the wells that, that I had to drink out of when I was a kid and when I was a teenager were there and they were toxic. But man, the number of those wells and the toxicity today is crazy. Parents, are you shepherding your kids? We want to help you, right? It's a huge responsibility. We want to help you. And listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the shepherd, I promise you, you're wandering. If you know him, if you're a believer, but you're not listening closely and you're following out, you're in danger and you're wondering. Because when we get away, we danger. We're in danger. A few years ago, uh, my, my family was in Brussels. We, we went to Brussels in July to lead the, our campus there. And uh, one day, we, Amsterdam is like a two and a half hour drive from Brussels. And so we jump in a car and we drive to Amsterdam. We're going to go see the Anne Frank house. We're going we're gonna to go see all this stuff, which was really cool. We had a great time in Amsterdam. But Amsterdam's like, I don't know if you, you know the city, right? I mean, if you've seen anything about the canals and I mean, you know, it's uh, all, all the stuff is really cool city. And, but it's also a very dark city. 
right? A lot of sexual uh, stuff goes on in the city. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a dark city. Very busy. We're on the tram. We arrive in Central Station in Amsterdam. And, and man, this is where trams meet and they go everywhere from here. So it's crowded, right? And so we've got our day planned out. And so I pull out a map and I go over and, and after I get off, I get out of people's way and I go over before we catch our next tram where we're going to go. And we're going to get on a train actually and go. Uh, and, and so I open my map and I'm showing Amy, okay, here's the train we need to be on. Here's what we need to be. Now I've got three kids at that, at that moment. I think they were seven, eight, nine, right? Uh, six, seven, eight or seven, eight, nine. And I've got three kids and they're supposed to be right here, right? I'm looking at the map with Amy and after we find out where we're going, I look down and I count one kid, two kids. I got one gone, right? And so uh, I look around, there's Jaden, there's Isaiah, right? Uh, Allie Kate, I have no clue where she's at. I look at Amy, Amy, where's Allie Kate? Amy's like, she starts looking around. I knew then, you've been there, hadn't you, parents? You know, I mean, when that, that, your heart just boom, 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 you can feel it beating. Your blood pressure goes up. At that point, it's like, I mean, you're seeing, I mean, it's just like you're on one mission, right? So I allocate. And so I start, I start looking and I start I look at, I, all I, there was just people everywhere. I couldn't see anything. I, I allocate was nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh my good. I mean, you know, I'm already, I'm, I'm panicking. And so I start running and Amy starts running. You know, we're like, okay, uh, we don't have 99 here, but we've got five and one's gone. We got four. So we got to go find the sheep. Right. And so, man, I, I mean, I'm running and Amy's running this way and I'm running this way. And all of a sudden, man, I'm pushing people out of the way. I'm knocking people out of the way. And I look over and, you know, there's all kind of canals in the city, beautiful city. And I love the city. And I look over and there's Allie Kate, man. And she just wandered off without a clue. We got off the tram. We went one way. She went the other way. Uh, and she wasn't following closely and she saw a canal, she saw a pretty boat and she wanted to go over and look at some, you know, two lovers on a boat, you know, very romantic. And I mean, she's looking over, just enjoying the canal and the boat. Man, when I get about as far from here to all oh, the back wall back here and I see her and I'm like, Alligate! Immediately, man, she heard my voice and she turned to me. And when she did, she saw my eyes. Well, that was, that was it. My, the tone of my voice and my eyes. And she ran to me. <laughs> and when she did, I grabbed her and I said, I don't keep, whoop your honey. <laughs> you know how you love them and you're going to kill them at the same time? I said, oh, oh boy, you know. I mean, you're just so glad you found her. But you want to kill her? I mean, it's, you've been there, parents, haven't you? And it's, when it's in a store, it's one thing. When it's in another country, it's a completely different thing. I told that story. I think it's a great analogy of the analogy. I think it's a great illustration of what Jesus is saying here. You know, Allie is my sheep. She completely recognized my voice when she heard my voice, but there was a lot of other voices drowning out my voice when I was yelling low. And so I had to run and I had to find her and she was away. And when she was away, she was in great danger because it's a dark city. She could be devoured because she wasn't beside close to daddy, the shepherd. And when I found her, I yelled at her and she immediately recognized my voice and ran to the safety of daddy. Great. This is exactly what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's, I think it's a great illustration of, listen, folks, uh, if you do not know daddy, if you don't know the shepherd, you're out there wondering, and it's a dark world, and you might be thinking, oh, I'm looking at something, it's sort of beautiful, or I'm going to drink out of this well, and it's going to kill you. It'll devour you. If you know him, and 
you wander away like that. You, he, Jesus says, turn right, and you turn left, and you think, oh, this is cool. I'm over here. It'll be okay. I promise you, man, you can be devoured like that in this world, and you're wandering. And so are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? Uh, today, he might be calling some of you, and some of you need to respond in salvation. Today, if you're a Christian, you've already responded. There's many ways in here you say, man, I know I'm not listening to his voice. And you're wandering away and it is leading you to a broken well that's literally going to devour your soul and rot your soul and leave you dehydrated spiritually. And you're going to be saying, why can't I get it right? Why do I wander? And let me give you one final thing. That maybe this is... is, uh, Reading into it, uh, but uh, it, it is just, it's sheep and shepherds, okay? Now, if you go further in the, in, in the, in the chapter, chapter 10, it talks about Jesus, God, I've got sheep that are not a part of this fold. I've got other folds, you know, churches, I think, and all that kind of stuff. And so, so but here, here, here's what I want you to understand. Three is what we can clearly know from a sheep and shepherding illustration is that sheep need a flock. Sheep need a flock. Sheep are not meant to roam by themselves. No sheep was designed by God to roam by itself. Lions roam by themselves. They're the king of the jungle. They're alpha predators, right? Bears can roam by themselves through the wood. Ain't nobody going to mess with a bear, except maybe a lion, right? Sheep don't roam by themselves. Sheep were created by God, and they were designed to be in a flock or a herd or a mob. Did you know that if you've got a few sheep, I don't know if any of you might have grew, grew up, grown up with sheep or know somebody. If you have got a few sheep, you've got four or five sheep, it's called a herd or a flock. But if you've got a lot of sheep, let's say you've got 50 sheep, 100, it's called a mob. So a herd, flock, or mob, right? That's the way sheep were designed to be. They were not designed to be solo. They were not designed to be isolated. You see, sheep are even uh, anxious. When they are by themselves, they're not good. That's not how they're designed to be. They're designed to be with the herd, flock, mob, right? Christianity is not a solo sport, folks. You as a sheep are not designed to be by yourself. You're not designed to do life by yourself. You're not designed to do this by yourself. I, I talk to people all the time, and it's really, really, really common in our day and age for people to say, man, I love Jesus, but I just don't like a church. And I was like, really, man, why? Well, there's many reasons. One, one, it always comes back to, in some way, their church hurt, right? I mean, I've been church hurt. I, some of you, man, this is your first experience with church, and you hadn't been church hurt yet, and, you know, some, if you have been a Christian, I've been a Christian for a while, and I, I, this is the third church, I, I think, that I, th- yeah, the, that I have served. I've been here for 25 years. So this is about the third church I've served. And here's what I want you to know. There's nobody in this room ever been as church hurt as I've been. Okay? I'll promise you that. You've not been as church hurt as I've been. I've been church hurt before. You've not been as church hurt as I've been. I know what it means to be church hurt. Okay, and here's what I, I'll be the first to tell you. If you're looking and you think, man, I don't know. I, I, here's what I, I, I'll promise you this, man. There are bad pastors. They're bad pastors. There's, you know that, right? There's bad doctors. Man, there's bad lawyers. There's bad mechanics. There's bad politicians. There's bad uh, whatever it is. There, there's bad bakers. And I hope you don't judge all Lawyers off a bad lawyer, all doctors off a bad doctors, all politicians off a bad politicians, all bakers off a bad bad bakers. Please don't judge all pastors off a bad pastors, because there's some bad ones out there, right? 
And I promise you, if you're, if you're waiting on us to let you down, here's what, let me make you a solemn promise. We will. Okay? I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'll let you down. Just like you're going to let us down. That's what we do. Okay? We, we, we do those things. I promise when we do, though, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do everything to make it right. Okay? And so, so I, what, I, what I say is, I say that because there's all kind of excuses for people not being a part of the flock. But there's no biblical excuse. You see, you cannot be a Christian and not love the church. Now, you can have been hurt and not like some churches the way some churches are handled. But you cannot be a Christian and be separated. It's unbiblical. It would be like saying, Pat, I love you, but I don't like Amy too good. Well, you and I ain't going to be friends, okay? I mean, you see, I do love Amy. And you and I ain't going to be friends if, if you love me but don't love Amy, right? Well, guess what? The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your bride. It's unbiblical. It can't happen. And so you as a Christian need a flock. If you're not a part of a flock, I guarantee you you're wondering. You're going to get devoured. So if you have responded to Jesus' voice and you're his believer, man, I, and you, you've not got a flock, we, we, hope, we hope this is your flock. We, you know, I, I want to be your under-shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd, right? And our pastors and leaders here, we're under-shepherds. We want to be your flock, and I hope, I hope this is it. But you've got to have a flock. And so, so you know, here, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what we can learn from this analogy. So many things, but, you know, I, I've, I've got to hurry because the Titans are getting ready to kick off. So, so, so many things. Just kidding. I, I'm just, I'm football hurt, to be honest. I'm, I'm done with football almost. Tennessee comes to die. So, uh, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the shepherd, you're wandering. If you have surrendered to him and you're not listening to his voice as he leads you through his word, you're wandering. If you're not a part of a flock, you're wandering today. Maybe God will use this to convict you in one of those areas. Today, maybe some of you, he's calling your name. All the people in the world, billions, that he knows you by name. That's awesome. He's personal. Maybe he's calling you by name. Maybe there's conviction. We hope you respond to his voice today. Will you do that? If you're a Christian, will you respond to say, you know what, I'm not following the voice of God on some issues and be obedient in those issues? You're not a part of a flock. We, we would love to have you. God can set you free from wandering. These are essential parts of that pieces of that puzzle. These are essential pieces of green pasture that nourishes your soul. Travis started by reading Psalm 23rd. Now he's going to sing it as we do communion. And here's the thing about Psalm 23. David starts it out in Psalm 23. And, uh, and you know, when, when, he, when he starts out Psalm 23, he says, what does he say? The shepherd boy, what does he say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? What's he mean by that? Well, what he means by that is this. There is nothing that your shepherd cannot provide that you need. Okay, that you need. And then he goes on and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. To a shepherding community, their mind would have, did you know that sheep, uh, sometimes they can't lie down if they're anxious about anything? Did you know that? If sheep are anxious about anything, they can't lie down. 
Are you wandering today? Can't sleep at night because you're worried about something? Then Jesus is the good shepherd who can take your anxiety and let you lie down in green pastures. He says he restores my soul. Did you know that sheep can sometimes lie down because of their torso? They have this, if you think about sheep, they have this sort of round body that gets sort of round and they got these little bitty legs. Did you know that they can lie down and if the ground is not flat completely, they can get to a place that they can't get back up? And when that happens, they're full of anxiety and fear and they get nervous because obviously they're, they're prey at that point, right? They're prey anyway, but at that point they're vulnerable and they can get so bad and they're, they can get on their back and their feet in the air and a sheep, a shepherd sees it and what's he do? He runs to the sheep and what's your first instinct? Flip the sheep up, right? But he doesn't. Why? Because when the sheep's down like that and he gets on his back, gas builds up in the sheep's abdomen. And so he can't flip it over immediately. So what he does is he, he, he gets down and he holds the sheep down and he begins to massage the sheep's stomach and he massages the legs until he, bam, he can just put the sheep back on its feet. You know what that's called? A cast sheep. Many of God's sheep are downcast today. Many of God's sheep are like they're on their back, kicking their feet. Jesus it's the only one is the good shepherd. He can come over and he can massage and he can put you back up on your feet, cause you to sleep at night because you can have confidence that he's in control. Man, I love the 23rd Psalm. I love this whole sheep shepherd issue because it's real and God is letting us know through all this, he is the good shepherd. But get this, he not only is the good shepherd, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that amazing? He's the Lamb of God. Why was he the Lamb of God? Because the Lamb was slaughtered. A perfect Lamb without wrinkle or spot, one year old, in the prime of his life was Jesus without sin, in the prime of his life was slaughtered so that we could hear his voice and come to him. So that when we respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we respond, we can be redeemed. So Jesus is the Lamb of God, and he, he set aside a, a, a memorial to that. We call it communion or the Lord's Supper. And, uh, the night before he was killed, he, he slaughtered. The night before he was slaughtered, he, he, he was with his disciples celebrating Passover, and he, he, he took bread, and he broke it, and he, and he took wine, and he passed it out, uh, and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. This is my blood of the new covenant. They didn't know, but they could get it. And it was establishing a memorial for us today. And so what we're going to do right now is our ushers are going to come. Come on, guys. guys. And, I, and we're, going to, I'm, we're going to pass out these elements. It's just a, two cups, a little piece of bread in the bottom cup. Some, we use juice. Jesus used wine. We use juice. So anybody that's got an issue, okay, you're safe. So we, 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 the bread, you hold them. We'll pass them out. And you hold them as Travis sings the 23rd Psalm over you. And we'll come back and partake of them together, okay, to remember that the shepherd, the good shepherd, also was the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for your grace. Help us right now in this moment. Lord, I pray that people would hear your voice. I pray that the Spirit, Holy Spirit, that your conviction would right now be ringing in the ears of people who don't know you. That, Lord, those who do know you, Father, that it would be ringing in conviction to, to, to come back and listen to you, Father. And God, I pray right now that, Father, 
as we prepare to take communion, that we would examine our souls, we would examine our life, anything that's in our life as Christians that don't need to be, help us to confess it, God, as we remember that you not only are the good shepherd, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name.